Good morning. One of the things I needed to announce to make sure the sign-up sheet is out there for Wednesday. So if, if you're wanting to come, also, if you forget to sign it, it's okay. Come anyway. But there is a sign-up sheet so we can gauge how many for the meal that we're going to have with it. But if you forget to sign it, that's okay because there's going to be plenty anyway. So come on out on Wednesday and do that. And then I think uh, Glenda had a couple of other uh, messages that she wanted to say before we got started. <laughs> so so uh, we're down to three women cleaning, so if anybody can help clean, okay. I see Andy like this, so I'm helping you out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So that's nursery help and dinners also for Susie. All right. So before we get ready to start into the Word of God, we'll go a moment in prayer. We'll do a, a silent moment for those, for your own prayers at first, to ready your mind and heart, and then I'll close this out and we'll start. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wonderful blessings of life and thank you for this family here at this place. And Father, as we... We desire to have a great relationship with you and to learn better how to do that. And as we break your bread of life, Father, which has everything that pertains to life as we live it and godliness with you, we pray, Father, that you will continue to put this knowledge within us so that we have a frame of reference going forward on how to handle life and godliness. And, Father, the message that we read out of your holy and divine word this morning, we pray that you will guide it to our hearts and allow the Spirit to move within us to totally understand it and retain it, Father. And may we be challenged by it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you brought your Bibles with you this morning, Matthew chapter 3, I'd like to go there. We're going to talk about the commission of the king. And we're going to look at the story of the baptism of Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, that'll, that'll start in verse 1. Oh, that's a great sight, seeing all them youngins. Awesome. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one that crieth into the wilderness, 
Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. And this same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat mm, was locusts and wild honey. And they went out to him, Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and all of the regions around about the Jordan. And they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. And when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits that are meet for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able to raise up of these stones children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. And therefore, every tree which bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed will baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. And John forbade him, though, saying, I have need to be baptized of you, and yet thou comest to me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for now it is to become us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went straightway up out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him and landing like a dove and a voice from heaven spoke out and said this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased you know this is probably the defining moment of Jesus's ministry this is where it gets kicked into gear Matthew is a Jew and he was a tax collector and in his book, he is writing mainly to the Jewish audience at the time. And his desire is to prove to them that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is also the King. So in chapter 1, he begins this premise by giving us the genealogy, his birth record, and showing that his lineage goes through up to David and Abraham, and therefore he has the right to the throne of David. He has that right of the royal lineage. Then he goes into chapter 2 that we saw last week that the king is born and that the king was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And we saw that that was a symbol of the cross in the beginning because that word for the swaddling clothes was rags. They were the death strips that people wound, or that doctors used for wounds and for those who had passed away for their burial. So as he was born the king, also his mission was there in the shadow of the cross. And he was crowned king by the ones who were known throughout the area as the kingmakers, which was the wise men. So now in chapter 3, he's going to take a different route on how he's going to say that this Jesus 
is the king because we're going to have the commission of the king by a king's herald. You see, at this day, the, the kings, when they would go someplace, when they would go on a journey, they sent before them a contingent of people that was called first the herald. And that's in the old movies, you saw the people with the long horns and the flags on it that they would blow announcing that the king was coming. John says, I am that herald of the king. I am the one that's going to prepare the way. The other thing that they did in that day was along with that herald, that official that would go and announce that the king is coming through, there was another group behind him that prepared the roads. Because you can imagine in those days with horses and different things that they had and it was all dirt and the weather, that there was crooked roads, there was potholes, even worse than ours. Um, There was hills, there was valleys, there was ambush points that somebody could rob someone. So it was very important that for the preparing the way of the king, you not only had an announcement, but you also tried to make the path straight and smooth so that people would be able to hear and accept him and he would be able to come. And so that is what's going on. Isaiah describes this process of the herald coming and clearing the roads in Isaiah chapter 40 and verses 3 and 4. Where there it says that the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every high place will be made low. And the crooked will be made straight. And the rough places plain. So since the roads in those days weren't good, this is what happened. And the king's herald went before them and did this. But here, they use this picture of what a physical thing is for the spiritual because this is a spiritual king who's going to usher in a spiritual kingdom. And so what he is doing is going to prepare your heart. The road to your heart that leads to who you are and leads to your mind and your thinking and a changing of your life. That is the preparation that is going to take place here with John and Jesus. And it says that he came preaching. And that word for preaching means to be a herald, to make these announcements. And it says in those days, if you're there looking at verse 1, in those days he came. It's been a long time since the end of chapter 2 to the start of chapter 3. 28 years. Because chapter 2 ends with him coming back. The parents bringing the young boy at about 2 years of age out of Egypt and back to their homeland because Herod had died. And then we turn to the next chapter and it says, In those days came John. And we find out by other gospel accounts that Jesus was about 30 years old when this happened. So we've got a span of 28 years that is really silent. Out of the four Gospels, only, only one talks about anything in that 28 years, and that's Luke, where he mentions that the family went to the feast when Jesus was 12. You remember that? And they had left, and he wasn't there, and they came back and looked, and they found him in the temple, and he said, you know, I must be about my father's business. So, That's the only mention of those 28 years of preparation that Jesus had getting ready for the kickstart of his public ministry. And it says that he came preaching. That's the word to announce and proclaim to be that herald. And 
What was his message? Verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And at hand means that this is literally the next thing on God's agenda. The next thing that's going to happen is the kingdom and the king is going to be here. So verse 3. He was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. He's asking them to prepare the way to their heart. And it says that he was heralding in the wilderness of Judea in those days. Now, God's ways are so much higher than mine. Because if I was in charge of the king's business of preparing the way for him, I would say, okay, our herald needs to go to populated areas. If we want to get a message out, Okay, if I'm in Indiana, let's go to Indianapolis. It's in the center. It's the state capital. That's where the people are, right? If you want the message to go out, go to where the people are. That's not what happened here. Look at how God directed things. He put him in the wilderness. Preachers don't usually go to the wilderness and start talking to sand and rocks and lizards. But that's what he did. And pretty soon somebody heard. Pretty soon, God directed steps to go that way, and they saw this one crying in the wilderness. And now, all of a sudden, it says everybody from around Judea and Jerusalem and Jordan started coming to hear the message. He didn't go to them. They came to him because I fully believe that when you teach the word of God in truth, that those who are hungry... And those who are thirsty will be led, even in the wilderness, to where that message is. And I pray that that happens here. That people are led here because of the word of God that is going to be taught. And I wouldn't have dressed him in camel hair and a leather girdle. Especially out in that hot, arid desert. Can you imagine? But that was what he looked like. And then, what was his meal? Man, dried locusts dipped in honey. That's not who you would think would be the king's herald preparing the way for people, is it? But it was. God knew how to do it. And he brought the people there and brought them out. And he was preaching in the wilderness saying that the king is coming. And God has brought him there to this bleak, this arid, this wilderness, this desert, I think, for a reason. Because I think that God was fed up with the hypocrisy and with the, the teachings that was going on in the temple, that what it had become, because you remember one of the first things that he does is he's going to go there and overturn some tables. So he didn't like what was going on there, and he says, I'm going to make a new start, and we're going to start here. We're going to start for people who are searching for the truth, and finally, those people, the congregation was empty, and the wilderness was full, and they came out to see about this man who is supposedly teaching this new uh, type of thing about a king is coming in a different kingdom. And they came out there to see who it was. And this is the kickstart of the ministry, though, of Jesus Christ. John, out in the boondocks, out away from all of the people, in a bleak and arid place, begins to preach. And his message is a short one, really, in verse 2, repent. Repent ye. That was his message. For the king is coming, and he demands that you repent. For you see, for us to get the message that he was talking about, we've got to understand this word repent, because it's used a lot throughout the scripture. What does repent mean? 
lot of times, and I've been taught whenever I was younger and growing up, means to be sorry. I mean, you've got to feel sorry for your sin and go to God in prayer and cry. You know what? If that's how you feel when you repent, it's okay. But that's not what the word means. The word means to change your mind, to change your way of thinking. That's what it means. And there is a godly sorrow that leadeth to repentance, the word says. But it's not repentance. You can be sorry for something and still go right on and do it again. So it's the changing of the mind that leads is what repentance is. And that's what this word metanaeo means in the original language. It's a way of thinking that changes who you are all the way down to your core. It changes your mind and your inner being. And you've heard now the message of the king. And the message impacts you so much that you want to change and follow him is what it means. Jesus says, I love you. I desire a relationship with you. I died for you. But I want you, when you come to me, to change who you are and follow me and my example in life. You no longer live for yourself. No longer it's about what I want to do, where I want to go, what I want to take pleasure in. But it's about, I have someone who's paid a price for me. And now I want to show my thanks by following in his footsteps and living that type of a life. So in other words, this king wants you to worship him, but he wants you to change as you do that. And he knows that we are human and that we will make mistakes and that we will fall. And there will be times when I have to pick myself back up. But the, the whole process is, is that my thought pattern is different. I'm not thinking and being living for what this is. I have changed, and even though I trip along the way, as it says about Daniel, I set my face towards the things of God. Your heart is in that direction. You've got to deal with the things that try to lead you away and that used to have a desiring and a craving for. And this wasn't just John's message. This was the message of Jesus also. Jesus, after this point, is going to be led immediately by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then after that temptation, if you turn your, to the next chapter on chapter 4 of Matthew, and in verse 17, when you turn there, he completes that moment of temptation and testing and trial that there was. And then it says that he begins his public ministry. And it says in verse 17 this way, From that time forward, Jesus began to preach. He began to herald his message. And what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. No deviation. John's message, Jesus' message. I want you to change who you are because I love you. I don't want you to live in the bondage of sin and darkness any longer. When you come to me, I want you to change and start learning about me, for I am good. I'm going to provide you with everything, it says in Peter 2, that pertains to life and godliness. Not just about my relationship with God, but about life. About the promises that I can stand upon when storms hit me, and I know how to face them. And without those promises of life from my Creator, I'm not going to stand against those storms very good. 
So he says, I need you to start changing your focus on who you are. It's the same message that he had, same sermon. It doesn't stop there. You remember the day of Pentecost, the day the church kicked off its message? Peter, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. He's told them that this same Jesus that you crucified has become now both Lord and Christ. And they were pricked in their hearts, and they said unto him, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And what was Peter's first words of that sermon? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, by the authority in the name of Jesus Christ, what? for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word there for remission is a big word, and we're going to cover that again at the end, but it means to completely clean a slate and to keep you there. So Peter's message didn't deviate either. His message was repent. Why did they need to repent? Not to feel sorry of what happened with Jesus, because that was God's plan. It was because the man that you said was not Christ is both Lord and Christ. What shall we do? Change your way of thinking. Now believe that he is Lord and Christ and repent. That's what that means. It didn't, wasn't for feeling sorry, but change your way of thinking. Now you know and you believe, and now you act upon that in identifying with him. And why is so much of this emphasis that I'm giving you on thinking and changing the way you think? Because the word of God says in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, that for as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. You've heard it said that you are what you eat. The real you, you are what you think. You are what you think. And Proverbs says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so he is. So that's why it's important to change the way that you think. And this came to a shock to the Jewish system. Why? Because they said, I'm okay. I am all right. I'm a child of Abraham. We are people of the covenant, of the promise, and we don't have to worry about that stuff because we are Abraham's seed and we already have the promise. Oh, John continues and he said, not anymore. Verse 8 of chapter 3, back to chapter 3, he tells them, no, bring forth fruits befitting repentance. Think not within yourselves, we are children of Abraham, that I'm Abraham's kids and I have a right by heritage and lineage. He says, no, you know why? Because if that's all God wants, he said he can take these rocks and raise up children unto Abraham. If that's what he, he desires you. He desires who you are to want to worship him and to love him. He doesn't want just numbers. He wants who you are to be a part of him. And he says, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. In other words, to this old system where the new kingdom is coming and the axe is laid to the root of that old tree of Abraham and, and just that lineage. We're talking about a spiritual lineage now that's going to happen. And he says, every tree then that doesn't bring forth good fruits worthy of repentance is going to be cut down and tossed into the fire. And I don't know about you, but that's serious talk. That's, that's serious business that John has given them here. And he says, what's really going to happen is not what you think. You've got to listen to me and bear those fruits that are repentance. 
for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and he said, and the message of what was going to happen, that he's going to gather his wheat into his garner, but the chaff, the ones who will not listen, the ones who will not believe, the ones who will not change their heart, he says, are left and will be burnt with an unquenchable fire. So the gospel is about good news. It's about saving you and I from that. It's about changing then who we are so that we are converted and don't rely upon past thinking and past way of life. And you say, okay, bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. What does that mean? That's a good question. I would have that. I mean, if it's this serious of a nature, I want to know what I need to do to not face that, right? Go to Luke chapter 3 for a minute, if you would. Luke 3. Because see, this is recorded. This baptism of Jesus and the commission of the king is recorded in all four of the Gospels. And it's easy to remember. It's 3-1-3-1. Matthew 3, Mark 1. Luke 3, John 1. And in Luke 3, we've got the same message only from Luke's perspective. And he's going to add some more to it that Matthew didn't have as a part of it. The multitude, beginning in verse 7, came to him to be baptized. And he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits worthy of repentance then, and begin not to say within yourself that we're Abraham's father. And we've seen that because God can take stones and raise them up. And he goes on about the axe laid to the fruit of the tree. Go down right after that when he tells them that, about the tree and the axe and the fire, and they say unto him, What shall we do then? And he answered them and said this. So here's the answer to that question. He that has two coats, let him give to the one that has none. Then the publicans came to be baptized to him. And he he that hath meat, and give to the one that lacks also. And the publicans came to him. And he told them, said, they were tax collectors, right? So in other words, he told them, okay, the tax collectors come. What do we do? What is this fruits worthy of repentance? He said, don't take any more taxes from the people than what you're supposed to take. They had abused the system and was getting rich from it. And he said, stop doing that and begin to do your job the way it was supposed to be. Next, it says the soldiers likewise, get this, they demanded of him. It shook them up. They demanded of him, what must we do? And he said, don't do violence to people. And, and that word there means to like shake. And you remember some of those old movies to where you'd see people shake people to coins and money started falling out and then they would toss them aside and pick, pick that up. That's what this word means. Don't take the authority that you have to terrorize somebody, extradite money from them and cast them aside. Don't do violence to them for your own gain. That's why in a minute he says, be content with your wages that you earn. Don't abuse the position that you have. Don't do that. And then he said also unto them, do violence to no man. So generations of vipers, he said, repent of these things. And what did that mean? In a nutshell, stop doing what you know to be wrong and start doing what you know to be right. It's that simple. You change who you are and you don't do that any longer. The king wants us to be in the kingdom, and he loves us. And he says, those things, the reason that you change is because those things can lead to a life of unhappiness. When you do things that you know that aren't right, they always come back to bite you. 
and you're always miserable and it will follow you throughout life and through your path and though it's hard at the time to give up something that you didn't think was I guarantee you that it's there for a reason God doesn't want to take away your fun he doesn't want you to not have fun he wants you to have life and have it abundantly but the things that he tries to get us to focus on is so that we don't pay the price for those things later and it doesn't come back to haunt us and it will and so that's why he urges you to do this now back to our text in Matthew 3 in verse 13 it says that then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him there's that word cometh again and this word cometh is one that designates somebody who is special coming it's like royalty that's what the word means here he comes prepare the way he is here right now so jesus came to him and this will start his public ministry this is his first public appearance and he comes with a precise purpose and that purpose is to be baptized of john and that brings out a question just like we had on what's fruits of repentance right says john wants to know same thing i do why are you asking me you're the king if you look my message is repent and the people in verse six was it says was confessing their sins you're the sinless son of god why do you need to come to me for baptism i need to be baptized of you i'm not worthy of this and it says there for that word for saying that john was saying that that word is in an imperfect tense and it means that he kept saying that to him that it wasn't a one-time thing jesus said no let's do it john said no i'm not going to do it have you ever heard of a preacher trying to keep someone out of the water not me again <laughs> john's ways guided by god was so much different he said no not yet i i can't do that jesus said yes and finally he said so that it will fulfill all righteousness you and i need to do this and so then it says that he submitted to that and and he allowed it to happen jesus said permit it this one time john because we got to do it and i say why and he says what's this fulfill all righteousness mean it's to become identified with us is first part because he's going to be hung on a tree beside two transgressors he was identified, it says in Isaiah, with the transgressors upon the cross. He wants to identify what was his name called in Matthew 1. It says, you shall call his name Emmanuel. What's that? God with us. I want to identify with you and everything. And upon that cross, it says that he bore upon his body our sins. And so he needs to be baptized as well because he's going to feel the result of sins as he goes to that cross and labors for it and so he must do this but it also the biggest thing in a spiritual realm is that it identifies him baptism is an identification process it identifies you and what he is saying is right now at age 30 i am beginning my public ministry and i am telling god that i accept the calling that you've given to me and the same calling that was in his birth with the shadow of the cross is now in his baptism. For Romans chapter 6 tells us that baptism is a representation of the death, the burial, and the resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. So this is also him saying, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. And that will is the cross. And I accept my fate. I am going to go to the cross as you desired for the sins of everyone. And he, by being baptized, then identifies with the will of God for his life and that he is going forth now to do that mission. And that's what this baptism represents. It says that he went down into the water and came up. That is the proper way. In death, burial, and resurrection, it has to be a complete immersion. You don't just take a shovel full of dirt on a casket and say, I'm done. You've got to immerse it. You've got to bury it. And that was the proper thing. And hallelujah, when he did that, we see all three members of the Godhead right here in unity and confirmation of this fact of what's happening is from them. The heavens opened up. The Spirit descended upon him and landed upon him and stayed upon him. That was his gift of the Holy Spirit, just like Acts 2.38 tells us. He received that. The Spirit confirmed it. God said from heaven and announced, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And then that began sustaining him for his ministry. And the Father said, My beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And he accepted God's will for his life. But the real question that's important is what about you? What about you and what about me? Have I accepted the will for God in my life? Have I given my life up to him and said in identification and baptism like Brooke did last week and said, I want to follow this and I'm going to identify with you and your kingdom and be washed in the waters of baptism and place there and then come up a new creature, a new creation. And that's what it means about changing your thought and who you are. The old person goes in, but the new comes out and you're a new creation following after God. Peter said in Acts 2.38, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That word for baptized, I did a word study on it. I'm going to switch up for a minute, bring my prop for today so that we can understand baptism. You start out with a cucumber. Went to the market yesterday, and you start out with a cucumber. And you can slice that, and you can either eat cucumbers or you can make pickles. So now, in the word study for this word for baptized, it's the Greek word baptizo. There's four or five words with real close proximity of that. There's another word called bapto without the ids in it. People who study the, the helps for these words like to read all of the manuscripts from those days because what they do is they get an idea as the word is used in the writing of the common man. They understand then how it was used when God, the Holy Spirit, gave it to inspiration for people to use. Now, this morning, the word bapto means to dip and to plunge. And that's what I did to these cucumber slices this morning. I dipped them in water, and they come up just like what they are. 
cucumber pieces. They weren't changed at all. They stayed the same even though they were dipped. That's the word bapto. The word used here in the New Testament for baptism is baptizo. It's the word that means whenever you are dipped and plunged and submerged, that whatever you are dipped in, whatever you are plunged in, it changes the identity of who you are and it turns you into something else. This is no longer a cucumber. It's a pickle. We are baptized into Jesus Christ. We take on the personage of Jesus. That's why we are a new creature. We are no longer a cucumber. But now we're a pickle. Because we take upon this word means that when you are submerged, that you stay there and you become like what you're submerged into. And it changes who you are. And that's why all throughout the word it says repent and be baptized into Christ and to become like him. So as the band comes on up and gets ready for us to close, I'll close with Acts chapter 8. You can turn there if you want to or just make a note. But in Acts chapter 8, there's an example of this for us that's used. And it says there that Philip went there was a eunuch riding in a chariot and Philip went and caught himself up to it and they started reading the scripture and the eunuch said who is this talking to the prophet of himself or someone else and he says he opened his mouth at that point and taught unto him Jesus and he says at that point in teaching he had to taught kind of what we understood today and they came to water and he said hey here is water what doth hinder me of being baptized? And he says, If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, thou mayest. There's nothing that hinders you. And it says that the eunuch said, Stop the chariot. And they went down into the water, and he was baptized. My prayer for you this morning is, if, if you are still on the chariot, please stop the chariot. And get off and find a union with Jesus Christ for your life. Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word and for your love and knowledge that you pour out in there for us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And Father, if there are those who are still on the chariot and they're still wondering, we pray that you will guide their mind and their heart to know that your son is the Lord in Christ and that in that water we identify with him and you're raised up a new creature and that you have that gift of eternal life that is right there before you now. Father, we pray that that will happen. For those of us who, like myself, many times forget that I'm a pickle, and I revert back to looking like a cucumber to the world. Pray, Father, that we also think about this and think about we've been baptized into your Son and that we are ambassadors for him and that we represent him and that we, again, change our way of thinking and begin to walk and think and be directed in your way and in your path. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.